Welcome, true believers, to No Responsibility Podcast. I am Always Angry Jay, joined by Taito Sean and Sudi. How are you guys doing? I'm good, Jay. Yeah, I'm doing really well. I'm getting ready for Nova coming up next week, so I am uber excited to get my hands on Marvel Champs and start playing it in real life. Yeah, man, you'll be the first one of us three to get to play it. I'm pretty jealous. Since none of us made it to Gen Con. So jelly. Yeah, yeah. Like, I live in Tulsa, so I go to Team Covenant weekly. So I got to get all the hype from their coverage of Gen Con. And then when they came back, all of us have been talking about it. And then I'm going to go actually, you know, take all this information that has been culminated throughout, you know, Reddit and Facebook and YouTube and Team Covenant. I'm going to try it out. I'm I'm just really excited. Uh, I'm also really excited to do uh, Crisis Protocol, too. Like, it's really weird. Nova is a minis convention that happens to have a lot of FFG games that are not minis, you know, like Star Wars Destiny and Marvel Champions, uh, to name a few. So it's like, it's weird, but I'm totally okay with this happening. So I'm just like, um, and I can't wait for next week to happen. So if you're going to be at Nova, come out and see me. We'll play some games, get some of those full art promos. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, post some uh, some pictures if you see any of the cards that, or especially the villain cards that haven't been leaked. We want to see those. So to kick things off, we're going to start with a new segment. We're going to cheekily call retcons, which is us looking back on our previous content and you know admitting when we say some flubs or share some misinformation. While we are No Responsibility Podcast, we definitely want to have some accountability. And so for just a small example, saying things like when I was talking about resources, I said one of the cool things about the game is that every card does two things. Technically, that's not true. There are a couple cards called Strength, Energy, and Genius, which are only resources. And while that's kind of pedantic, I just want to explain that, you know, we're talking generally. We don't have the cards in front of us. And, you know, there's always exceptions and, you know, things that will kind of break the mold of how card games work. But, you know, this is just an example of something that we want to make sure we're clear about. And I definitely knew about those cards, but I was speaking generally. But just for the record, you know, we are aware that uh, those cards exist and that they only serve the function of being resources. And another example is, uh, you may have noticed a uh, loud, familiar yell used uh, in our censoring in the last episode. We're going to kind of play with how we keep this show family friendly and what, uh, you know, sounds and whatever we use. Um, That one was a little intense. We'll try to find something a little less loud um but uh yeah it's important to us that we keep this show available to anyone and everyone and while a lot of people don't really have a lot of issue with curse words mild or heavy uh we still want to be able to you know let literally anyone of any age uh listen to our content and enjoy uh the stuff we're bringing out so we are going to do everything we can to stay family friendly uh i also want uh, mia culpa for the multiple times I called the protection aspect defense in the last uh, podcast. Um, there is no defense aspect. Uh, I, I feel like I was uh, stumbling over it a little bit, and I just wanted to be clear about that. Every time I said defense, I meant protection. There are only the four, which uh, whenever I'm put on the spot on a podcast, I apparently can't remember all four of them at the same time. We won't always do this. Hopefully we won't need to always do this. But when we do, you know, 
we'll open up the show with our little retcons. So yeah, expect more of that moving forward and let us know if we, you know, make mistakes and, you know, maybe we'll even give you a shout out and be like, Hey, this guy said, you know, we got this wrong. You got us. Thanks. It's going to happen. <laughs> but be nice. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> All right. So we only have one major topic to talk about today for pretty much the whole theme of the episode, but it's a meaty one. We don't want to dive into the heroes yet. Uh, we were waiting for Sudi to get a chance to have some hands on with them. And while the information is already out there, you know, for the heroes and we don't want to be doing too much speculation Yet, I thought another common saying is that, like, the heroes are only as strong as their villain, because uh, if the heroes are too good and the villain's lame, then, like, the story isn't interesting. Like, you know, who cares? So I think we should talk about villains today. I think, you know, a really well-written villain can kind of carry a story and bring the stakes. And, you know, like, to me, a lot of times it's... I won't, I won't say it's more important than the heroes, but it's like it, there's really a synergy that they need to bring. Otherwise, like the story just drags or is really boring or there's just no uh, gratifying um, conclusion to the events that occur in any given comic or video game or whatever. So we're going to talk a little bit about the four villains that we know about. We have Rhino, we have Claw, we have Ultron, and then we also got the preview to Green Goblin. And while we don't have all their cards in front of us, we know a little bit of their mechanics and how they kind of work really well and shine in Marvel Champions. So uh, let's kick it off with Rhino. Do either of you guys, are you big Rhino fans? Uh, Rhino is kind of the plot device villain for me. Like, I know he's he, that's not how he works in the comics, but realistically he's he's not like a heavy hitter so i think it's interesting that we got a well-known spider-man villain kind of leading off the experience that every single player for the most part is going to get rav the box because the first thing you do the first villain you encounter is rhino he's kind of like your starter villain you get to kind of get your feet wet you get to experience how the villains work and the scheming and works and the attacks work and your deck and all these really interesting mechanics and I, I find it interesting that FFG could have picked a, a grand pan, from a pantheon of villains and they picked Rhino. And I don't think that was a bad thing. I just think that it's interesting that we all kind of like Spider-Man because <laughs> if you think about it, like, you know, it could have literally, literally could have been anybody. And the very first villain you, you pull from is going to be a Spider-Man villain. I was like, yes. But the cool thing I think about Rhino is um, he's one of the characters that you can he, he's very accessible you can find him very easily in comics whether you go to older comics newer comics uh you know golden age silver age anything he's he's very approachable he's a good villain but he's not going to be like the most evilest smartest craziest powerfulest villain like he's just he, he fits the mold so i'm i'm just really happy that it's 
it's rhino because you know someone's going to play this game and go what's why who is rhino why is he a bad guy what's his story what's his shtick what's his power you go well hey you know check out this comic you know this is character and you know you can see him in this comic series and it's like oh you you start to open this door up to this brand new world uh, starting with Rhino. like like in my mind it could have been like oh here's like the red skull or you know baron von zemo or dr doom like it could have been like this crazy opening character and they chose to not do that and i'm i'm okay with that i think it's very interesting that that was a conscious decision especially since uh, ultron is in the box like ultron is a big bad you know main man kind of villain character in the core universe of like you know baddies and it's like wow we have we have a really wide spread of characters to pull from just in the core set it's it's neat it's very cool i'm kind of glad that it's the more comic booky version of rhino as opposed to the paul giamatti shooting <laughs> missile we don't we don't talk about that stop just <laughs> we need to retcon this already oh no we can't talk about we can't make no. references at all. <laughs> there, there was no paul giamatti there was no andrew garfield didn't happen okay so many... oh i thought it was a major oh anyway so it's, it's the cool sinister six me and the boys you know, uh, um, I don't want to go back to Marvel, Mister. I don't want to go back to Sony, Mister. Stark. I don't feel. Yeah, so good. I don't want to go. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't feel so good. I don't feel so good. Yeah, you're, so you're hitting uh, on a nerve there, man. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's it's too soon. Too soon. I mean, um, are we I didn't want to wake up that in this in this podcast. I don't. Know. I, I don't want to wake up to the internet going, "Oh yeah, Sony takes all the rights back to Tom Holland." I was like, uh, "No." Oh God. Uh, yeah. So, but. But, but back to Rhino, I think if you're going to give people an introductory villain that uh, is, a, a, you know, iconic, uh, you know, member of the Sinister Six, uh, you know, they gave Spidey his his nemesis was another member of the Sinister Six. I believe that uh, the uh, yet another member of the Sinister Six is one of the minions in, uh, yep. in, the, in the villain decks. Are you talking about Vulture? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Vulture with is Spidey's nemesis, but also Shocker as one of yeah. the bad minions. So, so they're starting to kind of represent these real kind of. If, if you're into Spider-Man at all, as you know we are, you're going to know these guys. Um, you're going to be glad to see them in the game in one way or another, and they can all appear maybe as nemesis for future versions of Spider-Man or as minions and other villains. Uh, 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 what, what's the name of the deck that the villain uh, uses? The nemesis. No, oh, no. Oh, uh, I, I know what you're talking about. The cards you add. Is it? It's like in, is it encounter? The encounter deck? No, I think so. It's the encounter. Yeah. So that's the yeah. deck that the, the villain stuff comes out of. So you, there's any number of ways these guys can come in, but and initially having uh, um, Rhino as 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 the, the the villain that you learn how to play against for the most part, I think is is just fine. It's absolutely you know perfect use of him. Yeah, and you know Rhino's pretty simple. I mean, he's a big dumb bruiser, but even if you imagine yourself as Spider-Man, like you still don't want to get punched by Rhino, even if he's you know clumsy and easy to dodge. He gets one good hit on you, and you're gonna feel it. And that's kind of the mechanic he teaches you is like how to defend, how to block, and he's going to bring damage to the table because his base attack is really high. He doesn't have a lot of gimmicks. We do know that his level one is two damage, his level two form is three damage, and his level three form is four base damage. Plus the card you flip, which could be anywhere from zero to three more damage. I mean, seven in one hit, that's half of most of the characters uh, out almost of the box. Killing, almost one-shotting Spider-Man. 
Right. And so you have to learn how to mitigate his moves. And I do know he has a really cool card called Charge that gives him plus three power on his next attack. And if you block with an ally, any damage that's not absorbed by the ally still carries over into you as the player. And I think that's kind of cool and like makes sense for him, you know, bursting forward. And if you were, you know, using allies kind of as have we've seen in the different live streams and stuff where you kind of whittle them down to one health and then use them as what we tend to colloquially say a chump blocker. Uh, it doesn't work on Rhino. He will uh, eat your ally and you for breakfast. And I think that's just kind of neat how he, you know, uh, circumvents some of those mechanics. Uh, he heals, he has tough and, you know, he, he just hits hard and you basically just have to learn to, you know, not let the, scheming get out of hand so that you lose to the natural win condition it seems like his plots aren't too crazy they just kind of you know teach you the mechanics of the game and then he'll just wail on you over and over again and if you need to you'll have to recover or you have to summon allies or you have to jump in front of each other to help each other out but he doesn't seem too complicated and i think you know for a game design perspective I don't want to call him the tutorial. I'm sure his uh, expert mode actually probably uh, hurts a lot. But, you know, just get your feet wet. He's not, you know, too tricky. You don't have to overthink it. Just, you know, learn how to play your character. Learn how to hit the enemy, win the game. And then you can move on to Dr. Claw. Um, I've read a few comics with Claw in it. Have you guys? No. I only really started to come on my radar from the... Andy Circus portrayal in MCU because I love him and uh, it was kind of an interesting little aside in some of the movies uh, where he was kind of like a an ancillary bad guy um, but from the comic books I honestly have zero memory of Claw and I don't think he features prominently in most of the stuff that I have in my collection um, or if he if he does I completely missed it uh, so I don't really know much about him. Um, I think I learned most of what I know about him from the movies, which hopefully, you know, he was pretty close to how it goes in the comic books. So Claw's a weird guy. He, uh, he originates, uh, mostly in the Black Panther slash Fantastic Four verse, which if you didn't know, uh, Fantastic Four and Black Panther have teamed up a lot. They're really good friends. Uh, Panther in one of the cooler earlier stories he challenged the fantastic four he invited him over to wakanda and then he created this sort of like trap maze and he separated all four of them and he battled them uh he got mr fantastic all tangled up he got johnny in this like weird contraption where uh it voice activated shot him with water if he said flame on and uh <laughs> and it was and he put thing in total darkness which really freaks him out and uh, no, they think, had to... Sorry to interrupt, but I think th this was a Fantastic Four first appearance of Black Panther. And I believe that I, I used to own that. And I'm really sad that I don't still own it. Um, but I'm pretty sure that that's the story you're, you're talking is that, about. Is that it's, his full origin? I didn't want to the, say it was the, his full it's origin. It's like literally the story of the first appearance of Black Panther. And it was a, a Fantastic Four. Um, and I did read a lot of Fantastic Four, but I still don't really remember Claw. But right. he, he really was anti 
Fantastic Four anti-Black Panther particularly. And I, and I I think he was in the first Black Panther movie. Yeah. In one of the ones leading up to it, right? Uh, Yeah, he definitely... Both. I'm pretty sure he was in... Honestly, he was in Civil War briefly. <clears throat> but yeah, focusing more on Claw. <coughs> he wanted technology in Wakanda. He wanted Vibranium to do some of the research he was doing. And he tussled with Shala and he lost one of his hands and he replaced it with this weird little kind of like made a man sound gun. And then later uh, he, you know, this is total Jack Kirby origin, crazy characters, but he uh, went and jumped into a device that he made and somehow turned his body into pure sound. (laughs) However that works. I mean, this is old comics, you know, that sounds ridiculous, but then, you know, as previously mentioned, Johnny can turn his body into fire. So I guess why can't you turn your body into sound? He's a guy who uses crazy technology and weird weapons, and he keeps basically trying to re-weaponize Vibranium and use it back against T'Challa. And while Black Panther's all about, like, progress and, you know, betterment, like, Claw's all about, like, no, this stuff makes sweet gear, and I'm going to blow you up with it. So is that how he works in... I mean, I, I really, I watched the Covenant playthrough where they were playing against him, but I don't have specific memories about his mechanics or how, I, I remember seeing that the art is quite different than what I expected. Yeah, he has a weird red suit and again, his little gun hand. Um, he seems to have a lot of attachments, like a lot of like ways he buffs himself. Uh, he seems to deal a lot of status effects, like he does a lot of stun. I think he does confusion, which makes it so the next time you... Uh, thwart thwart doesn't trigger Mm. and he seems to just be like really annoying and makes you want to like one of the effects you can do in the game is when you're when the enemies have attachments on them players can spend a number of resources to remove them but that then limits your options on your next turn because you don't draw into the end of your turn so you can be the guy and be like all right you know i'll disable this card but now i can only play two cards on this turn and um you know, it's kind of like taking the hit for the team, so to speak. And it seems like you need to do a lot of that. Otherwise, he's just going to stun you over and over and over again, based on what we saw in the Team Covenant cast. And uh, he even has, there's like a scheme that gives him health. So you can either beat him down health-wise, or you can thwart the scheme off, and then he loses that health. But either way, you have to deal with it, which is kind of cool. That there's like two ways to deal with the same effect, and I think that that's just one of their really creative ways of, uh, you know, incorporating effects into the game. But yeah, I think he's a, for lack of a better term, like equipment based. If someone doesn't, you know, spend their resources to knock some of those parts off, like you're gonna have a bad time. Is that gonna be a a thing that you think is common in the villains moving forward, the idea that you need to spend resources on your turn to turn off some bad thing that's going to happen, and therefore you need to make tough decisions about whether you you can afford to turn that off this turn or or play some cards. Yeah, I don't know about Ultron specifically, uh, just because I haven't seen any of his cards, but 
in other examples, like with Rhino and definitely with Claw, and even they've shown in the previews for Goblin, they all require uh, specific resources to remove. Claw's interesting in that you need uh, all three resources, which might be harder to do based on the makeup of your deck. But uh, from what I've seen, you know, Rhinos were all the same. Goblins were all the same for each piece. So I think it's going to be a gimmick of when they have really nasty attachments, you can respond to them, which again is like kind of interesting, like uh, specifically for a character like Black Panther who has Vibranium, which is two wild resources of whatever he wants. I think he's going to be the the code breaker, so to speak, on like slashing things off the opponent. Um Spider-Man also has his web shooters. Like some of the characters I think are a little more uh, equipped to deal with that stuff. And that might actually be consciously, you know, how they're supposed to function. Like, yeah, I I can do this. So I'm going to, you know, try and disrupt while you guys deal the damage and so on. And I think that's going to become an important decision to make. Because I really think that if you leave some of those on and they keep stacking, like, it's just going to be a cascade effect. Like even the team covenant guys are getting slapped around left and right by claw. And I don't think they were uh, disrupting him much or enough. And they were just trying to power through it. And that just seems really dangerous. So something people who've played a lot of games, especially if you've played competitive games, such as magic, the gathering, there'll be critical junctures during a match where, you have to determine if you're going to allocate resources to deal with a threat now at the cost of having a hampered turn in terms of things that you can place on the table or you play out your turn the way you had you know strategically determined it uh, to be the best but you let your opponent go completely unchecked and the thing that that creates in a competitive environment is uh, a a bit of tension, a bit of turmoil, because you don't have a clear-cut path. You don't have a clear-cut decision. You have to make a difficult choice. So what I think the designers are striving to do with that in a cooperative environment is make it so that games aren't linear. If the uh, villains aren't creating a, a opportunity for you to make a choice, especially make a bad choice, then the game is going to be really boring because every time you play the game, it's going to be the same. You know, if I get these cards on the table and I do these actions, then we win. So having cards come out that force you to allocate resources to them makes players have to sit and think, okay, do I slow down my turn and stop the bad guy from impacting us and, and potentially wiping us out? Or do I go through with my my strategy, but I don't do anything to stop the villain and they go completely unchecked? And I think that's an excellent means of challenging players to not only make impactful decisions, but they have to, on the fly, figure out how to allocate their resources. Because like I said, if, if there aren't impactful decisions during a game, then it's basically like, you know, the luck, it's like lucky or craps or whatever you want to call it. Like you're just, you know, rolling dice or drawing cards. There's, there's no tension. There's no thought. You're just like, okay, if I do one, two, three, we win. So the more we see that come up through villains, and especially if it's creative, I think that there's a lot of opportunity for villains to create really thrilling and memorable gameplay experiences because you sit there 
and you make that decision and that could mean you and your teammates win and you can you know tell your story to your friends man i I spent my resources and we won the game and we stopped green goblin and really glad i did that or you know the inverse where you go man i just completely forgot and i didn't i didn't stop him and he just went to town and you know we lost this player and that led to snowballing and we lost another player and we just couldn't you know pick it up after that and you know those are those branching pathways that create really interesting uh, stories and gameplay experiences that uh, you know i think could become really appealing to a lot of players once the game comes out it's great whenever they give you a um, moment in the game to make a decision like you just said and i think that this is a particularly interesting example of that because it's a tempo choice do i maintain my tempo by playing the cards i wanted to play this turn or do i sacrifice tempo to try to you know, help my team and keep this uh, villain from getting out of control. And I think it's nice that they have a kind of a a built-in mechanic that's an obvious tempo uh, control aspect that's not obvious on its face. It's not a plot card or this or that. It's just a a cool upgrade. Well, hey, you have the option to get rid of it if you just sacrifice half your turn. You know, that's pretty cool. I think it really adds to the storytelling too, because even though you're giving up part of your turn, you know, you see the villain, say, goblin, get on his goblin glider or he's throwing pumpkin bombs. And then you can be the one that spent the resources and say, like, I knocked him off the glider, you know, or I disabled his weapons. And like, that's a very superhero thing to do is to analyze like, oh, man, what is he doing now? Like, what is he charging up to do? And then like, thematically, you are disabling like whatever trick they're trying to leverage on you and like it's literally what superheroes do like that's and that's the sort of like you know oh no he's pulling out a gadget or he's you know trying something tricky and like those are the sort of moment-to-moment gameplay decisions that you're making as you play marvel champions like you're trying to you know lower the threat of the situation you're trying to deal damage and then you're seeing them you know oh he's got a new toy or he's trying something different you know what are we going to do this time like that feels very back and forth and you know the villains are trying to you know win at all costs with every option they have available whether it be summoning you know more characters or equipping or you know when they like introduce new plots you know they're adding more chaos and more things to divert your attention to while you're trying to deal with them which i think is like what makes a lot of villains interesting in that, you know, there's always the like, sure, Spider-Man in like hand-to-hand combat can usually, you know, beat the crud out of, say, Shocker. But if Shocker's, you know, created a lot of structural damage and Spidey has to web up the building and keep it up while civilians are trying to get out, like that's a completely different scenario. You know, most encounters aren't just, a slugfest it's something's happening that needs the hero's attention it's not just you know who can beat up who like that's not that's not the game and i think that's really awesome i'm glad you brought up flavor because i think we maybe skimmed over this a little bit with rhino but i think there's a lot of flavor in the plots themselves for instance uh rhino's plot is he's busting into a building that's a very rhino flavored thing and i don't 
really know what like what is the what is claw trying to accomplish in his scenario when you play with him as the villain do we know that i mean i know that they have this the streaming i like um kind of bummed that as far as i can tell the deck builder doesn't have a way to look at the villain cards is that is that true too because i haven't if there is i haven't figured it out yeah so right now on the on the internet there are websites that allow you to build hero decks, but they don't actually have the uh, entirety of the villains. Um, what do you call it? The, the villains kit. So we don't have all three levels of villain. We don't have all their schemes and things. So uh, without having that as reference material while we are recording this, it makes it a little bit difficult to talk about it. But the other thing is, I think that some of that information might have been purposefully withheld so that people don't just have everything available to them before the game comes out. Because as we've seen, there's a lot of stuff already on Tabletop Simulator and people are already playing the game and printing the game out and making proxies. And although that's not a bad thing, that could create an environment where some people are not uh, as interested in purchasing the product. So I I suspect that FFG probably withheld some information so that we got a wide majority of it, but just enough to pique people's interests. And, you know, most people are already, you know, building decks and talking about cards and talking about characters and all kinds of combinations, and that's great. But we don't have all the information for Claw and Ultron, so people are like, you know, wonder, I wonder what that's going to look like. And that's great, because once the game comes out, we're all going to buy it and go, oh, that's how this, you know, interacts with, you know, this card or this character, or this minion, and we're going to start to all work together to figure out, you know, how do you beat this? What do you do? What's a good combo? What's a bad combo? So uh, it may or may not be a bad thing. And like I said, it may or may not be withheld information. I don't know. Uh, but we don't have everything. We could go back and look at the Covenant stream and, and get a better look at that that. Uh, claw plot because I know they played against it. And I should have paid a little bit better attention, um, uh, but I know there's a there's also like Jay mentioned, there's all kinds of side plots that can come out too, and I'm I'm certain that whatever those are weren't fully spoiled in the stream. So right. there's going to be a lot of surprises yet um, in those villain packs, and I do really like that. Um, I don't want to know everything, but I do. I want to know everything, but I don't. I'm you know, but I also just want to really enjoyed the the release as well so yeah and i myself i mean i'll admit i've done some scouring uh but i'm also trying not to spoil myself too much i've uh, joined both of the marvel champion discords i hung out on the marvel champions reddit and i've interacted with a couple of fans already and um uh, they've already come up with a lot of cool fan created content and ideas and there are they are very fun places to hang out, and I recommend you uh, searching for them. But what's the subreddit? I don't know. Is it our uh, Marvel? Marvel so there, there's a couple of them. You you just search and find whichever one you want, realistically. But I think that's one of the things that is really exciting about the game is that it's in a lot of people's hands, and there's a lot of information out there, and we still don't know everything. And that is going to be a lot of fun, especially going to Nova or if FFG has any other events where you get your hands on the game, especially if they do any demos at their HQ. I purposely have been avoiding studying every single card because I want to go to Nova and I want to experience something new. I don't want to 
say, okay, well, I know this, I know that, and I know everything, and I'm just here to kind of do do the motions, go through the motions in real life. Like, I want to see Rhino pop out a car, and I'm like, oh, I don't know how to deal with this. I'm going to have to, like, look at my hand and talk with my team and figure out how how do we deal with this uh this issue that just popped up or you know if we get lucky and they just happen to have green goblin i, would, I don't think they will but it'd be super cool if they did um you know just get to experience the the horrors of you know green goblin going off and you know getting on the glider and chucking the uh the pumpkin bombs and you're like mm, this feels real bad yeah and i also just want to point out too that you know this is just a general talk and exploration of what little we do know we will do a deeper dive you know once the game comes out and we have the materials in front of us but uh i just want to talk about the villains in general and with that uh i will bring us to one of my favorites which is ultron he has always been one of the coolest to me not only because he was made by ant-man not tony stark ant-man um (laughs) Uh, I just always thought he was cool in general. I love his menacing face that he has in the comics. It's almost haunting. Uh, I always liked his um, ability to sort of like assimilate to new bodies very quickly. Uh, He's a Legion based enemy in so far that he creates just tons of clones as his like henchmen which all look like him because obviously, you know, he's the perfect form, right? So why would he have his henchmen look anything less than, you know, usually he has like a gold body and his minions are silver or some way to tell which Ultron is the real Ultron. But even then, when you defeat the real Ultron, he just downloads himself somewhere else. Like he's so crafty. He's so adaptive. You know, it's funny when he first appeared on the scene, he actually got beat up really easily he was like embarrassed at how crappily his body was made. And then he was like, well, I'm going to, and then he learned about vibranium and he made his body out of vibranium. And he's like, all right, let's do this. He got beat up again. And then he learned about adamantium. He's like, Ooh, let's try that one. And that lasted him a pretty good while. Like, I like that. um, He always comes back with like a better strategy. You know, he's an adapt. He's literally an adaptive AI. That's his, whole premise that's his whole idea while rebelling robots you know has been done a lot in a lot of stories i've always appreciated he has his sort of um father-son relationship with ant-man uh i always like when he confronts him directly and says things like you know are you proud of me now father even though he's like doing horrible things he's like but look you know you made me like this is a result of you you know like am i impressing you with like what i've been able to do and ant-man feels torn and they even sometimes write them almost like very father-son like uh i mean ultron will literally call ant-man father and uh you know it's just it's a slightly different dynamic than like the you know skynet and stuff we're kind of used to from other uh media and i've just i don't know he's he's a force of nature he's an impressive villain in the marvel pantheon and i'm wondering maybe you guys can answer this for me is is rhino considered like the easy 
and Claw considered medium and Ultron considered hard. I know they all have like an expert mode that you can battle them at, so they can all be played at extra hard level. But is is that seem to be the intent out of the core set for you to kind of go in that order? It seems to be the case. I don't think we have like quite direct confirmation, but that does seem to be the power scaling. I do know what Ultron's gimmick is, which is he turns your top card into a Ultron clone, which then you have to defeat, and then you loot. Like, that card then goes to your discard. So you never drew that card as you go through your deck. So you might lose, like, you know, a piece of your Iron Man armor or some of your Vibranium or Spider-Man's web shooters, and, like, you have to cycle through your deck again, which generates more bad stuff. Because uh, every time you cycle your deck, you know, you draw the top card of the villain deck. And, you know, every turn he's turning more of your cards into minions. And that might mean, you know, you never see, like, your Aunt May card or, you know, your supersonic punches. or Not my Avengers Mansion, no! Right, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I also do know, specifically for his scheme... Uh, a very common uh, goal that he often has is he's, he keeps trying to download the the Avengers mainframe, so he has all of their like. It's kind of like downloading. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump other properties, but like imagine him trying to steal like the back computer and all the information that that has about everything you know within universe. Like it's a crap ton of information that he can use. You know, very dangerously i do know for ultron that once he gets to his final phase you cannot remove threat counters from the final countdown so you have to beat him it's just a doomsday clock so i do know that that's one way he is definitely harder than the other characters is if he can get his scheme to advance then you might not be able to defeat him fast enough Yeah, if you were to talk to the developers, I don't know if they would specifically say one is harder than the other because they're probably trying to design the game to be as approachable for anyone. And someone might say, well, you know, I want to play against Ultron. That's my favorite villain. And so even though Rhino might be the recommended first villain, I don't like we haven't played the game. But I don't know, per se, if the scaling is Rhino Claw Ultron. That's how it appears to be in the way that the rulebook is built, because they specifically want you to do Rhino, and then they want you to do Claw, and then they want you to do Ultron. But if you wanted to just jump in and do Ultron, uh, you can. There is nothing stopping you. There is no rule or regulation that says you you have to do Rhino Claw Ultron. But they are probably designed with a difficulty curve with Ultron more than likely being a little bit more difficult than Claw and Claw being a little bit more difficult than Rhino. So players who maybe have never played a card game before and may not know how mechanics work, how resources work, how you know card draw is important, how tempo is important, like people who may have know nothing about all these card game terms that we're talking about, they can play with the recommended starting villain rhino and they start to get their feet wet but someone who's been playing games for years they could probably jump in ultron and be just fine so it it really depends on the perspective and experience of the player and you know each person has their own individual uh level of both of those things so i don't think there's a clear-cut answer because like like i said everyone has their own you know level of expertise and knowledge but 
if you were to just go based on the rule book, yes, Rhino is your starting point, Claw is your middle point, and Ultron is the ultimate goal that you're trying to beat to, you know, get through and say, all right, we, you know, beat Ultron level three. Congratulations, you know, you and your friends, you did it. That is the hardest challenge in the game. Good job. You know, you, you beat the hardest thing we could throw at you inside of the core box. Well, I think, it, I mean, he's, he's right in a sense in that I think it's, He's definitely the most complicated. And like you said, you know, there's no way of knowing specifically uh, whether they're meant to be more difficult in that order. But we definitely can tell at this point that they get progressively more complicated. You know, uh, Rhino's pretty one dimensional. Claw has a few more tricks in his bag. And Ultron definitely seems to be have the most different things going on that you need to consider when you're playing. And maybe it's not a, a, a straight up difficulty curve but it's definitely there's a complexity curve there uh, as far as we can tell at this point and i think that's really good for the game because you don't want all three villains to be exactly the same once again it goes back to a very boring experience if rhino and clon ultron did not necessarily the exact same thing but they did very similar things you as a player wouldn't really get a unique experience from any of the three because they're all you know basically if we if we use rhino as the example okay rhino does a lot of damage he hits really hard and he is just a constantly heavy aggression based villain so if all three villains did the same thing you know claw shoots you or schemes really heavily and ultron whatever it's not gonna you're not gonna walk away going wow that felt different playing rhino and claw a lot of board games have that problem where you'll have a mission number one and you achieve objective you know one two and three and then you have mission number two and you do like the exact same thing but opposite you know you you achieve mission three two one and players will complain because it's like well that was the exact same thing, but in reverse, like there's, there was nothing unique about the experience. It was just flipped around. So play people who play games are very acute to game design, trying to be lazy, or if it's just lazy inherently. So when you have these three villains, you want them to not only be unique, but you also want them to create different problems for the player you want rhino to be constantly threatening your health pool where everyone's gonna die we're all gonna die how are we gonna survive what are we gonna do and maybe like you were saying with claw he's just always eating away your resources we gotta get rid of these upgrades we gotta spend our resources he's scheming all the time you know we're about to lose because he's gonna fulfill the main scheme what do we do and your health pool is fine claw doesn't shoot you but he's constantly working in the background you're like ah and then Ultron, you know, he's eating away cards from your deck. He's turning your resources that you desperately need into little 1-1 one, one minions that are obnoxious. But the bigger problem is you're losing options to play the game. So you have to assess cards in your hand. Now, when you spend cards from your hand as resources to play cards, you have to make really tough decisions because you might not see that card ever again. Because Ultron might turn it into a little Ultron bot. And you're like, oh, no, I, I never saw my Avengers Mansion or I never saw my web shooters. Nuts. And the thing about all those three examples I just explained is they're completely different. And you're constantly going to be under duress of, uh-oh, what do I do here? What do I do there? And whether it's complexity or difficulty uh, I think that FFG still did really well because all three of these villains are doing something unique 
to make your life miserable and make you lose the game. But I am I am legitimately excited though, just because all three villains are completely different. Like it would have been really obnoxious if it was like here's Rhino and then here's uh you know like Red Hulk. It's like, well they they're gonna do the exact same thing. Like don't do that. I was thinking the same thing is that uh there is kind of like a like a, a template there. Like is there re- is Rhino really super different than Juggernaut? I mean, except for that Juggernaut is going to be breaking into the X-Men mansion instead of the Avenger mansion. Um, but that's fine. You know, like, there's there's room for them to explore the differences between these big hulking baddies. Well, what's really cool is that even though Rhino and Red Hulk and Juggernaut and all these, you know, characters that we think about that are these big, muscly, bruiser kind of villains that they just run through walls, and I'm the Juggernaut, you know, explicative... You know, these are villains that inherently kind of do the same thing. They punch you in the face, they break your leg, they leave you to die. So even though in the comics they have very similar villainous traits, uh, FFG can create these main schemes with different uh, variant things that cause problems for the heroes. So, you know, we might get a juggernaut that has similar stats. You know, Rhino level one is one scheme to attack. So we might see a juggernaut one scheme to attack or like zero scheme three attack. That's not a really big difference. You know, one variable isn't a super, you know, wide change to the character. But, you know, we might see juggernaut do things from the comics where he comes in with a main scheme. And before you like, for example, before you like in the comics, before you can deal damage to him, you have to like get rid of the helmet. And so the scheme might immediately come into play with like seven five or six seven tokens on it and in order for you to physically attack him and stick damage on his character you have to get that main scheme off the table and that's completely different from rhino and that's very thematic for juggernaut because you know professor x no one could touch him because his helmet like protected his mind and his body was pretty much impervious to damage so like that's one of the ways ffg you know you can steal that if you want but um if you're listening you could see similarish characters and they have completely different experiences because of the way FFG plays with the main scheme or the nemesis cards that come in with different heroes that you might see. You know, if we do see a juggernaut with X-Men, you might see a card that's like, you know, if someone's playing as Professor Xavier, this thing happens or blah, blah, blah. Like, there's all kinds of really interesting and unique interactions and things FFG can do, even though... We might see, you know, Ultron is a schemer. He's an intelligent, very dangerous character. Uh, Doctor Doom is not much different. Like, he's not a robot, but Doctor Doom is a genius, and he's a schemer, and he's a villainous. And guess what? He creates Doom bots. Like, there's a lot of similarities between characters, but Doctor Doom as a villain will probably not play anything like Ultron, even though they might have similar stats, and they might have similar art, and they have similar characteristics. There's a lot of different ways that the characters can be designed and played with as villainous, evil individuals that, you know, you as the player have to come together with your team and defeat. And they've done a really good job with that in our next villain, which is the Green Goblin, in making him a two-sided villain, where you need to engage with both Norman Osborn and the Green Goblin, depending on which side he's on. And it will affect the way that you can defeat him and his scheme. So do you want to like go over a little bit of how the Green Goblin works, Jay? I know that while he's in Norman Osborn form, you can't deal damage to him. 
at all. He has some kind of counter-based system where you remove counters, I believe they're sanity counters, and once they're all gone, then he becomes Green Goblin, and that's the form that you're allowed to deal damage on. But he only is in Green Goblin form for only a couple of turns, and then he turns back into Osborne, and then he's back to like scheming rapidly, and again, you can't hurt him, which is very, very thematic in his power level in... The stories because some of you might think like isn't green goblin kind of lame uh green goblin got cranked to 11 in the last couple of years with his sort of like influence and ability to sort of like take over as a uh mastermind i'm gonna i'm gonna say this really loosely he's kind of an evil iron man and sort of his like his ability to build an empire he has a lot of scary technology he has a lot of ties with a ton of different villain groups and i mean he's he's hired people to kill superheroes like and that's just you know a day in the life of being norman osborne like he's rich he's influential uh he was president for a little while like he's just completely crazy but at the same time he's also like very intelligent very capable he knows the right people and if he doesn't he can buy the right people and he is, you know, a force to reckon with. And then uh, his kind of green gobliness has gotten stronger over time. Like one of the cards show uh, the formula has given him like regeneration power. So he has healing in the game. Um, he's he's really intense. Um, I've, I've always liked Norman a lot. And I think it's really neat how... He seems like he has some unpredictability into his kit. One of his cards that scares me is uh, if you flip it up, uh, he attacks the lowest health character immediately, even if it's, I'm assuming uh, it doesn't matter what form they're in. That's the one thing I'm kind of curious about. Can you be attacked as an alter ego or not? I don't think you can because it says hero and They've made it very clear that hero and alter ego are two completely different states of the game. So whichever character is in hero mode and has the lowest health is getting smacked. Right. And the reason I say that is the card specifically says a green goblin attacks the hero with the fewest hit points remaining. If no attack was made this way, this card gains surge, which would infer that if everyone's an alter ego, he wouldn't attack and then he would get the surge ability. That makes sense. But still, you know, if you're like, all right, I barely made it through that round. Let's see, you know, what bad stuff pops up. Oops, I'm, I'm out of the game. And thematically speaking, Green Goblin is iconic. He's, he's one of the few Marvel villains outside of, you know, Doom uh, to basically have fought everybody. He has fought, uh, you know, just about all of the heroes that, that the Marvel universe has to offer and is, and has done a, uh, you know, has, has done a good job um, and is, is kind of threaded through so much, so much of the story, so many of the storylines through so many of the heroes um, that I'm glad that he's one of the first and basically the first non-core villain added to the game. I think that they picked a really good one um, in Green Goblin. I uh, don't, there's very few that are more iconic. We keep talking about doom and eventually they're going to have to drop doom. You just got to do it. But if, uh, if you're not dropping doom as your first villain, it should be the green goblin. And one thing that impressed me with my sort of like game designer, eye is I honestly think green goblin is kind of showing off in a way that the designers are like, look at this cool thing we can do with the system we created mm. because 
you know, like there are conversations that Marvel Champions has similarities to some other games, but at the same time, like Goblin really embraces a lot of the different aspects of like why you have an alter ego and a hero form and now you're fighting a villain that has an alter ego and a super villain form. Like that's just the coolest thing. And like that's built right into the game, you know, like that's something it's capable of doing, you know, and I think that that's just really flexible, fun design that shows off like all the mechanics. And I think it's just, it's just neat that like not all the villains are just going to be health sponges that you're just like, all right, how many times do we punch them? And then we win like goblins, like, no, we have to sacrifice punches to get him to even come out, you know, and how are we gonna, like, what resources are we going to spend to goad him? to get Goblin out and then we can deal damage before he runs away again. And I'm sure, you know, there's just going to be like a tightrope act. And again, he has like really dangerous gear that you're also spending resources to try and circumvent. And like, he's, he just seems really versatile. And again, that's just kind of like, like Goblin both, is crazy and has a plan at the same time. And that's what makes him like really scary and that it's really hard to anticipate his next move. I also really enjoy the fact that depending on which side you're on, he won't do a thing. So for example, Norman Osborn only schemes, he does not attack. So if everyone's in hero form, you won't take any damage from him in particular. Like you might draw something like a minion or something, but you can kind of get around certain aspects of the game. Like if you're weak on health, you can, you know, take into account Norman doesn't attack and figure out how that goes. And the green goblin doesn't scheme. So there's points in the game where you can stay in a certain form or flip to a certain form just to kind of save yourself the trouble. But kind of like what you were saying, having this flip hero villain thing is like, super neat because we kind of see this juxtaposition between us as players we have an alter ego and we have a hero form and the very first expansion is a norman osborne villain green goblin villain you have basically the same thing like you said you have an alter ego and then your villain form and they're both gross they have really interesting mechanics they're both pushing the agenda to beat the hero players but both of them are completely different and you have to make decisions based on which form you're facing like rhino will never turn into his alter ego ultron will not turn into something else you always have that same uh, card on the table you don't have to account for oh you know they flipped into something else now we have to deal with this this alter ego you're like constantly going to have to think one turn ahead because there's all these different interrupts where you know if you deal damage to norman osborn you just take that much you know infamy counters off of the criminal enterprise but then if you flip into green goblin he deals damage when he's flipped and then if he would scheme you you can potentially flip him back into norman so you're always going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and you have to stay on your toes and that is something thematically that norman slash the green goblin forces spider-man to do is you know, he's he's never just one and done. You have to watch your back. You have to pay attention. You have to be very aware of your surroundings with this character in the comics. And it's porting over to this card game so well. And 
what just gets me so excited is like we've yet to see the designers miss it with these characters both the heroes and the villains are themed very well they seem to be mechanically very true to the characters and i am so excited to play against green goblin as soon as it comes out and just see what terrible things are in that deck and what he does to you and how crazy he must be on the the hardest setting um yeah it's gonna be like a real challenge uh i think you're like you said you have to be on your toes with him you have to be able to shift gears real quick um because of the limitations he puts on you and your the rest of your party so that's great game design i guess we should real briefly mention the other villain pack that's been leaked which is the wrecking crew which is an entire uh uh, group of uh, villains and i don't know a bunch about them i know they fought spider-man a bunch of times they're kind of more physically oriented there's a guy with a with a wrecking ball i think his name is wrecking ball there's a guy with a giant uh, crowbar uh there's a guy his name is absorbing man i think they're kind of just like very strange physical strength uh villains and um there hasn't been any ffg leak about them yet but we do know that they're on the docket for release in the first few months after the game is out so that's great too and with that both of you have shared some of the villains that you like that aren't coming into the game just yet but i wanted to ask specifically to both of you uh who's the villain that you want to see down the line come into the game for me it's a very obvious answer it's venom um he's probably the most iconic uh spider-man um foe uh especially more recent um creation and just really probably the most one of the most popular marvel villains of all time and just really interesting uh and I can't wait to see how they decide to envision him in this game. Um, I imagine that he is probably pretty high on their list of uh, villains they want to add. And I certainly will be incredibly psyched when uh, they decide to leak that he's in uh, in the offings for the game. Yeah, Venom has always been a super cool villain, anti-hero, depends on, depends on where we're at but always has some of the most incredible art. I always love it when his like mouth opens up so much that his teeth aren't even in line anymore. And he's like really like goopy and alieny and like, again, just one of the things that I've always liked specifically about like Spider-Man and I'll rope and venom too, is they just have like some of the craziest, like contortiony designs. Cause they all, they always like, there's a thing in art called like, breaking form where like spider-man will bend in like almost inhuman poses and like venom will you know break form and like just turn into this like weird goopy liquidy mass and then like reappears as like big buff clawed toothed self and you never know like which form you're gonna get and he's always just been really fascinating he already has art in the game too so hopefully sometimes with ffg you know uh they'll tease upcoming content it's not always the case but sometimes uh, upcoming content is teased with art early and then that art will match like what that kind of character does so hopefully uh some grim portents have shown us uh that venom is going to be uh ripping into us and biting our heads off uh, down the line as he is to do 
So my one of my favorite villains is Doctor Doom, who we talked about previously in the episode. So I'd love to see him. But one that we haven't mentioned that I think a lot of people would enjoy, and I would personally be really excited to see, would be Magneto. And this is one of my favorite villains of all time because he is just a a tough explicative. Like this, this is just one of the toughest, hardest hitting villains of all time, and he's always just so well written and so interesting because similar to uh, doom he thinks that his path to protect mutants and take over the world is uh, not evil but to protect people from themselves and he is not like evil as in like you know venom or carnage is just mad they're insane they're evil they do things to hurt people just because it's fun he does things he's kind of like Ra's al i know we're mentioning dc but you know he has a a method and a means and the way his character is designed in the comics really makes me interested to see how the designers would pull from that that source material and create this villain who you know he's stronger than you and he's smarter than you and his network is immense and you're just going up against a country and a bunch of people who love magneto and hate you and i'm really interested to see how that plays and how you feel as the hero trying to break through that literal wall that magneto is going to throw at you and you're like well we're all gonna die here we go (laughs) so that is uh that is definitely a villain i would love to see the designers and developers get their hands on and and bring to life in a future expansion for um for marvel champs and then i myself have a weirder one um i'm pretty sure unless you've played some of the video games or read comics but you know if you're only coming in through like the mcu not a lot of people i think know a lot about taskmaster but he's always been a favorite of mine uh the role he plays in the marvel universe i think is just inherently super interesting because one of the funny things you kind of posit when you sort of deconstruct superheroes is like why does a Hydra soldier go try to run up and punch Captain America? Like, what success <laughs> is he going to have in that encounter? You know, why, why do they bother shooting at Iron Man? So on and so forth. And like, specifically, like, where does their like bravery and competence come from? And in the Marvel Universe, uh, Taskmaster is the ultimate mercenary trainer. And his one of his main roles is that he like takes all these groups like aim hydra sometimes even the hand and like other you know henchmen parties and he teaches them how to fight within reason so that they can at least you know maybe not get knocked out immediately as soon as a fight starts like supposedly he's you know raising up all these stooges from droogs to you know, moderate threats if, like, enough of them gang up on the same character or whatever, or, like, you know, Captain America tends to throw this punch, uh, you know, like, if you dodge like this, you know, you won't get hit by it. Because his power, it's, they flip-flop on, like, if it's a superpower or just a trick he has or whatever, but the thing that makes him special is uh, he can more or less... uh, 
learn the attacks and behaviors of other characters and then mimic them perfectly. Uh, what's interesting is he isn't learning like their entire style, but he literally learns like how a character throws a punch or what their signature attack is, or like, you know, the specific way Thor throws his hammer nine times out of 10 and how to dodge it. And he religiously studies the characters as much as possible so that he can learn better ways for him to fight and also how he can teach and inspire the minions. So what I would think would be cool is, you know, if in the game, it'd be neat if he had a card similar to the leadership card inspire where you can buff allies. I think it'd be just as equally prescient if he had a villainous inspire where he could, if there's a, if there's like a, a minion ally in play, like inspire it. And now it's, you know, some of the guys aren't too scary with low stats, but you know, some of your, some of your weaker attacks that you can like pick off some characters. Now it gets harder. If this, you know, minion now has a, a little more health, deals a little more damage and maybe gives them retaliate or something. Cause they know how to, you know, get a hit in before falling over. And like that makes the minions more taxing. And I think stuff like that would make a very, dynamic villain i've just i've always really thought the character was cool he has really great interactions with characters like deadpool where like deadpool is almost entirely unpredictable and he drives taskmaster crazy if you played the recent uh playstation 4 spider-man game i loved that for the challenge missions in that game uh you find these little computers and for a while this just like weird hooded figure like barks at you you know i have I've created chaos, go solve it. And then you find out later because he physically attacks you in the game. It's Taskmaster and he's trying to study Spider-Man and he's creating these difficult scenarios to push Spider-Man to his limit so that he can anticipate Spider-Man at his peak performance and then figure out how to beat him, which is 1000% how Taskmaster operates. And so I thought that was one of the most perfect ways to gamify a character because that's a video game mechanic creating challenge missions but taskmaster literally wants to see you perform at your maximum level so then he knows it and then he knows how to adapt to it and um yeah just taskmaster is incredible like more taskmaster please i hope he i really hope he's more than just like a a minion card and becomes a full-fledged villain i mean Heck, early on in the comics, he soloed the Avengers by himself because most of them couldn't hit him, um, and he kind of made a he kind of made a mockery of them. Just even he even has replicate gear. He has a shield he can throw, just like Captain America. He's not quite the archer of Hawkeye, but even being eighty percent Hawkeye is still pretty good Hawkeye. You know, <laughs> uh, he even has a grappling hook that he uses like web shooters, as far as like swinging. Like, he's just got a whole bag of tricks, and he revels in challenging himself as much as possible, so. Wouldn't it be cool if the way he behaved totally depended on what heroes you brought to the scenario, or something like that, uh, would give it a lot of flavor? I would love if one of his cards, like, could copy the top card of your discard pile. So, like, if supersonic punches on the top of your deck, or top of your discard pile, he supersonic punches you. Like, that would be 
that would be hard because there's a lot of cards that he wouldn't be able to copy but if there was an effect that cared about the move you most recently did i think that would be freaking awesome because that's literally what he does good choice all right and i think with that we have a pretty uh meaty episode here for you guys uh i've definitely had a lot of fun talking about uh villains both what's coming and what I'd like to see and how their mechanics kind of feed into the game as well as we know it right now. And we will definitely dig deeper into these characters once we have the cards in front of us. But for now, I just wanted to talk about these characters and sort of what they've meant to us and our interactions with them. And so I look forward to uh, going through this again um, once we know what all their effects do. Thank you for joining us. And remember, we have no power, we have no ego, and we have no responsibility.